You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Ryan McCubbin. Hey, happy holidays, everyone. Happy New Year. David Hall. Indeed, I am here. (laughs) And Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon. Greg Hectus. I'm here. All right, and welcome back, Will Gibson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, hey. On the show today, we will welcome back former iRacers Lounge co-host, Will Gibson who will help us cover the ongoing controversy with the IndyCar series in iRacing. We'll check out the winner of the Trading Paints Paint of the Year. There's lots of new hardware to catch up on that you will want not do not want to miss, and we will look forward to the new year, and that means that Daytona 24. And remember, everyone, you can follow along with us in real time on your PC or mobile device as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these topics we'll be talking about by going to iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. So let's start with some light topics off, just kind of get warmed up. No, on second thought, let's dig into it. Let's do more indie. We have a rehash, right? Well, uh, the ongoing uh, reaction, I think, uh, to the IndyCar news that they're leaving iRacing. You know, it was kind of news. It was only like two days old on the last show, and we certainly talked about it in depth. But um, what happened after the fact? So let's kind of go through it. Uh, the first, I'll take this first one. I mean, uh, this guy, Arhuna Kankapati, I hope I got that right. Uh, he published on Twitter a uh, letter to uh, IndyCar and iRacing uh, signed by over 225 members of the community. Um, it was a well-written letter. Uh, me and several others were like, how do we sign the letter to? Um, but just replying to the message and being involved in a social media conversation, I think, uh, spoke volumes, hopefully, to the IndyCar management about what, what's going on. Uh, I believe Arhuna is involved in uh, broadcasting of IndyCar as an announcer, and so he has a personal stake in it. Yeah, he's one of the founders of RaceSpot, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I think we'll talk about it a little later on, but... The first broadcast race spot did was IndyCars. So uh, I think for that broadcasting community, um, losing that Indy 500 is kind of a big deal. It is a big deal. And of course, as you might imagine, the the forum discussions um, went on and on this week. And so I was in there just uh, going through it. I don't know who else got to see it, but what do you guys think about the reaction? You know, it's interesting. Almost every single response to any uh, IndyCar social media, I would say about 90% of it is filled with uh, some kind of 
uh, we want iRacing uh, back. Kind of any usually a lot of a lot of hate in their and their uh, responses, which is a uh, kind of unusual for it to last this long. We're almost going on a full week and a half now. And they're going to have to do that. Our, uh, you know, Twitter attention span is so short. If they really want to make something happen, they're going to have to keep, keep rehashing and rehashing and get their attention instead of just letting it be forgotten for the next, next, uh, tragedy of the day. Yeah. There's one guy in particular that responds to all the social media posts and he posts a, a image of motorsports game stock price plummeting. And it's almost the very top of each topic uh, that uh, they post, so they get to see each post they make. I love it. I mean, I, I hate to fight fire with fire kind of thing, but man, I mean, they really put us in a tough position. There's not a lot the community can do, but can there? Uh, so brainstorming in the forum threads, Scott Mullen said, hey, do we have any lawyers here in the mix of iRacing drivers? This almost sounds like grounds for a class action lawsuit against IndyCar by the iRacers of the world and so on. I, I don't think so, especially with it being a subscription-based service. Then I'm sure the legalese in the iRacing agreement says we, we offer these cars as long as we can. Uh, and we're not losing the cars. We just can't broadcast them anymore. You know, broadcast rights are always um, a part of – negotiations that change if nbc or if fox loses nascar fox broadcasting rights they can't broadcast the races anymore yeah you don't have to run in a broadcasted race and you don't have to broadcast a race they still offer the car and they still offer the tracks it's up to you what you choose to do with it i feel like i feel like i gotta start the counter again for this week how many times we're gonna say indie car but uh indeed this <laughs> this is uh I don't know. Do you really want to get involved in a lawsuit with something, two empires that don't, you, like, I get what we're doing here. And it's, you know, the worst problem with what we do with this is we're only leasing content. We don't own anything that we have here. The only thing we own are our sim rigs at our houses. The rest of the stuff we're just leasing. And if they just cease to exist, then this is one of the things that ceases can cease to exist at some point is, um, and there's nothing we can really do about it. I mean, I would say one of the good things I think that might come from this is any series or brand that has their content in iRacing has now seen the backlash of the community if they take something away. And when they signed the deal with Motorsports Games, I think 2021, that was around the time iRacing acquired Monster Games. And I really felt like iRacing lost out on IndyCar and they knew it then because they couldn't provide a console game. And I think in the long term, Motorsports Games isn't going to stay around forever. IndyCar still wants a game. So I think this is definitely coming back to iRacing. It's just a matter of we just got to weather the storm, the IndyCar community. And uh, so, I mean, it sucks. It definitely sucks. But I really don't think this would go to any kind of lawsuit or anything like that. I think it's just iRacing has to wait out motorsports games, which I would be surprised if they're still around by the month of May when the Indy 500 kicks off. So in response to what I mentioned before in the forums, we do have obviously a lawyer who is an iRacer who, who waded into the conversation. And he had a lot to say about 
uh, is it possible to, to do such a thing? And he doesn't think it's a good idea, obviously. And I don't either. I, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, but he did talk about legally what, what, can IndyCar do to get out of the deal? And he talked about the fact of there's a lot of people saying that MSG, um, you know, they questioned the realistic uh, approach of them providing a quality product by the end of 2023. Uh, as mentioned before, uh, their media arm is already uh, putting it out there that it's 2024. And so, um, if they can't get it done in time, that raises a legal doctrine called anticipatory breach, uh, which basically means uh, we anticipate you're not you're going to be able to you're going to breach this contract. Therefore, we, we're canceling. It just depends. That on sounds, how much, that sounds pretty feasible. It depends on how much Sorry, they have to do for a timeline, though, in the contract. So, and on the lawsuit side, we're talking about a car that you spent twelve bucks on. Right. Um, your, your class action lawsuit, what are you going to get 50 cents back? It would it would it would be silly. Something, though, that um, we were talking about monster games and, and these guys. Let's talk about the history a little bit of iRacing. Remember that they basically came in response to the end of Papyrus when somebody else bought bought the NASCAR license and started putting out crap games. Right. And so sure. that's one of the reasons I think iRacing probably philosophically doesn't necessarily want to isolate everybody, do the exclusive deals, um, but would rather have, have the partnerships. But if anybody else wants to, th to throw in too, I don't know if, the, if it's been their, their approach to try to lock something down whereas monster seems to think this is a good idea to lock it down and then put down a crap product you know um racing what's going to happen you gotta you gotta i think it is i racing is racers themselves and they want what's best for the community like you said it was started for what's best for the community and that's why they don't approach those uh you know those exclusives now we do have a, another article that uh, to, to get this out in the mainstream uh, beyond the sim community. Uh, we had an article at thedrive.com. I'm going to read a, a quick uh, analysis of what they said about this scenario. They said IndyCar's abandonment of an established entryway comes at an inopportune time as a series has finally seen a long-needed influx of young new fans in 2022. Forbes reports that the first three televised IndyCar races of the season brought in the series' highest viewership in 19 years and that its streaming audience had an average age in the 30s. That stands in stark contrast with the majority of IndyCar fans, which racer reports are much older, 68%, 55 or older, 43% are 65 plus. So it really kind of points uh, how IndyCar really shot themselves in the foot here, at least on the whole how do we get the younger audience involved in the sport? And iRacing isn't just an old man's game, They're, especially when you get into the pro ranks. Those are mostly kids in their teens and 20s. Right. Yeah, and, and they're not going to grow by having essentially an entire season without any any video game accompanied with it or any any kind of content that you can you – can, uh, you can access. I mean, they're not going to have a game out by the end of this, the, the 2023 season, their season, their season's going to be over by the time, by the time they get a game out. 
And that's well, not good. Right. IndyCar hasn't had an official IndyCar game since 2005. And the gaming industry since then has boomed. Um, so I've IndyCar has been missing the boat on the gaming side for years. And I really feel like what we have on iRacing isn't because of IndyCar, but because of iRacing's relationship with Dallara. I've always felt like for some reason, IndyCar has been standoffish. And that was through the transition to Roger Penske. And it kind of stayed the same. I think having an official game is good for IndyCar, but to be exclusive to that and burn bridges in the community is just, just silly. And this comes on the heels of IndyCar delaying a new engine. So now they have a super old engine. They have a 10, 12 year old chassis. They're just, there's a lot of reasons to not be a happy IndyCar fan. And this is just another, another, uh, I don't want to say it's the straw that broke the camel's back, but it's, uh, it's up there. So the other thing in the forum thread is apparently they went through iRacing across the board and starred out the word indie wherever there is the word indie like you and so like on your profile page where you say i was born and raised in indie on my you can't say that on your iRacing profile apparently so uh even our teammate tony rochette he uh he put up a picture of his uh profile where he list out the races he won and one of them's the indy 500 and and it was start out. It had star, 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 500. And Actually, so, I tested um, it first after you posted it because one of our teammates was saying that he thought it was a troll. And then, so I just oh, went Oh, it's in, real. I went and put it in, and mine, mine was immediately start out. Tony looked at his, and it wasn't start out. And then five minutes later, it was. Now, they start out Indy, but they'll keep Indianapolis, correct? I'm not the, sure. The city by itself can't be copyrighted. The state. The state. I think if you spell IndyCar with a lowercase L, you can get by, or you could for a bit. So there is a workaround. You mean I? Or oh, So just an L. Oh, I see what like you're saying. Android. Okay. Or Indianapolis car. Or Indiana car. So it's kind of silly, uh, of course. Um, now, Nicholas Bailey, who's on staff, he's the only other person who's uh, posted uh, about this. And he put up, um, let me look at it. No real update here, but just to let you all know, we discussed it. For now, the filter is being applied in an overly cautious manner until a new license agreement is finalized. After people are back from the holidays, we can look at handling the bio section differently. Changes to other areas of user entered input are unlikely to change until we have specifics on a new license agreement. That's interesting. I saw a video that that, that uh, theorized that they are almost doing some of this just because they're completely irate with MSG and the way they're being about things, as, as well as IndyCar. But at the same time, they're probably doing everything they can to just be careful that, that they don't give MSG any grounds to come at them. Is it just easier for us to do the anger and let iRacing sit back? They do these things to make us angry so that we're attacking monster and they don't have to do anything with it. And they're just hoping that it'll help them. I don't remember it being this strict when they took away the 24 hours of Lamaze. 
like this is honestly on a whole new level when you're blocking off words from being used something just feels different here well and- i racing kind of stuck it to him right when the, when they did that 24-hour series as well as the majors 24 they msg was not happy about that majors 24 well i mean this is gonna sound well i don't care if it sounds cruel or not i don't know how smart those guys are at msg to worry about that if they're worried about that they need to readjust their priorities and just make a damn game like they can't do that right why are they so worried about what everyone else is doing and uh i would not be surprised if one day the news came out that iRacing was just aggressive with this to get the community upset publicly at indycar um it's like some 40 chess going on here because i i can't imagine bmw or porsche now backing out of iRacing after seeing the backlash IndyCar just got. For any series. I mean, they got they got called out by by Junior, right? Well, that that you know that makes the NASCAR community alert of it. That's a bunch of people you know that follow Junior. Let's let's uh, turn the the tide. One thing I want to say about what I said the last uh, moment I spoke, Nicholas Bailey. I mean, he's saying he's talking like there's an ongoing uh, you know discussion on an agreement, a, a detailed agreement. It sounds like maybe they know that they're not going to be able to have an Indy 500. They can't have official races with certain tracks, but that's all they really know. And so everything else they're just doing as a precaution. That's kind of the way it feels until they have very specific. So some people on Twitter and such think maybe the cars are going to be taken away. You know, maybe there are further changes than what we've been told. Um, or maybe things will open back up if you're on the optimistic side. You know, it's hard to say what's going on behind the scenes. Could you imagine if they actually take the car away from people, the, the cars that have the Indy title on it? That would be even worse. I get ugly. Indy Racing League has already come out with their PR and said, hey, the cars are still available. So they would have egg on their face big time if they turned around and backed out That's of that. True. So... Immediately, the next thing that happened in the community was, oh, my God, let's have our final Indy 500 before we we can't, that we can broadcast and do it proper. And so we ended up with a whole bunch of uh, leagues uh, putting out their own version of it. And so Seth Eggert on Twitter put out his list that he found Uh, or came up with we had the scowrs christmas 500 that's december 30th we have the fpf rectangle 500 uh same uh same well that's all the same event and then the next one was the open wheel 500 by sr4mh and then the next day on new year's eve is the us 500 by gavin Carr, and then finally the 880,000 yards of bricks by Jeff McConey. And you guys it, running any of these? I am not, no. but I am probably going to spend uh, New Year's just watching them all. Enjoying uh, the... That's how I'm going to spend my New Year's. <laughs> that's fun. A bunch of indie racing all at, uh, you know, maybe even at the same time. Who, who knows? We'll have to look at what time these events go. But yeah, that'll be fun. Hey, uh, Will, you were saying that they were obviously uh, the Delara car that they're using um, 
in the Indy series, they've kind of not done any, they're not doing any improvements to it. They got an older car, an older chassis and everything. So they're kind of outdated. Um, I think this benefits iRacing if all of a sudden they do get the license back, they're not going to be behind in anything because the series hasn't taken any leaps forward uh, well, that they the, would miss out on. The IR18, the chassis itself is the same as the DW12. It's the bolt-on parts as far as the aero part that had changed, but the core chassis itself has been the same since 2012. So now we're coming up on 2023. That's... That's old, and it's a spec series. There were years where they had aero kits and stuff where Honda and Chevy could bolt on their own aero components. Hey, iRacing has done a phenomenal job. They had the IR18 for us before it raced in real life. They had the aero screen for us before it raced in real life, and I could be wrong, but I feel like that's always been Delara pushing for that. iRacing and Delara, because... IndyCar never really seemed to kind of care. We just kind of did our thing. And I'm confident in saying I feel iRacing does more for IndyCar than IndyCar does for iRacing. Um, as far as I'm a bigger fan of IndyCar today because of iRacing, not the other way around. Now, I would say the scale of NASCAR and its influence over iRacing, I would say that pushes people to iRacing rather than iRacing pushing people to NASCAR. But it, it works together. But I would say the s scales are deeply shifted in favor of IndyCar benefits from having iRacing. And I just, I think they're too arrogant to see or know that, but I think they're finding out. So in the long term, I think this is all going to be good. And this will just be a blip through history. But it is neat to live it out and see what happens. Um, I hope it. I'd be happy if it was fixed tomorrow. It's not gonna, but I'm fairly confident that there'll be an Indy 500. Maybe not this year, but definitely by next year. Makes me think about the Delara I, uh, Jet Car IR01. Uh, I wonder if that has something to do with this whole transaction. You know, they signed with MSG in 2021. I, I don't remember exactly when the Jet Car and Delara deal came you know why did we need the jet car you know it came out of the blue it wasn't i don't think in response to something to do with f1 but who knows but it's a thought i had if my memory serves me correct i think the iro one came out of the pandemic in 2020 which would have been There's a year before the uh motorsports games contract. contract but i feel like there was a real missed opportunity there because i know with the lionheart guys there was discussion of using the IR01 in the Speedway series, which raced the DW12, strictly ovals, but it just doesn't race well in ovals. Even if you take it to Indianapolis with an optimized setup, you're barely going above 200. It's just, I wish iRacing would have built an IR02 for ovals, so we've been more prepared for the situation. And I would think they had to know this was coming before December of this year. So I'm really a little disappointed they weren't prepared for this because the IRO1 proved you can have a fake virtual race car. So why weren't they ready for this? It would be my biggest criticism of iRacing out of this whole ordeal. Maybe it's coming in the March build. I, well, we'll, we'll see. It would be good timing for it. It'll be just before May. 
A couple other things to wrap this one up. Uh, RaceSpot announced an extra split for their US 500. So you can still get in. Uh, they're the ones doing the US 500. And then today, uh, we heard from the Lionheart Racing Series. Uh, and then, Will, you, you kind of run with those guys. And why don't you summarize real quick what they decided to do with, with and they've, they're ones that have really been affected by this. Yeah, so um, from my full understanding is they are going to continue to have their IR18 championship, but it will not be broadcasted. So that's going to really affect their ability to bring in sponsors and stuff of that nature. But they want to keep being the premier open wheel series. I don't know. I, I try not to say the I, the I word. Um, IndyCar. But uh, so that's gonna, still going to go on. They are shelving the Speedway series, which is what I tried to race primarily last year, which was the DW12 Strictly Ovals. That's being put on the shelf. A retro is going to remain the same, and which is this IR or the Lotus 79 on road courses and oval tracks. But they just announced it this evening to replace the Speedway series on Monday nights. They are actually going to do their first ever non-open wheel series and it's going to be the bmw hybrid lmdh car as well as the bmw gt3 um i think they are still working out details as far as how many lmdhs how many gt3s open fix setups all that so they're still working on details but because of this i mean this lionheart's been around years i knew of lionheart before i even knew of iRacing, and now they have to shut or basically hide their premier product and do something completely different because of this decision from IndyCar. Oh, yeah, that's probably what most of these IndyCar only leagues are going to do or some version of that. So I wonder if you could actually do a radio style broadcast and just hide all the video. You know, I, I'm going to wait till after the new year, but I really want to ask because last season I started doing some promotional videos for them for social media. And why not? I, they can't ban us from posting on social media, can they? I mean, I don't know how aggressive iRacing wants to get with us out of fear of motorsports games. So um, it's kind of, it is what it is, but I think it'd be kind of cool having a outlaw league that's off the books. <laughs> well, Somebody's going to attach you. did it radio style, you're not seeing the car. So literally right. do it like an MRN broadcast. You put you put guys in the turns and have them call call it like that, and you just you just have to describe what's happening. That actually makes for more exciting calls. Anyway, I listen to radio in real life. I don't watch the TV. And then you got I, the Lionheart podcast series now. That's not a bad idea. I'll I'll mention that to them. It's a. Uh, I just don't know what iRacing will allow us to do. Um. There's a really, really good group of guys there that work really hard to make all of that work. And they don't want to ruffle any feathers. So, and I don't blame them for that. So, yeah, Especially, if you're a long term broadcaster, you're, you don't want to, you know, mess that up, you know, by just guessing, oh, I can get away with this or that. Uh, there's that guy, Mooncar. I think he's going to try something, but he already said he would. There's somebody who's going to. Somebody is speed running how fast you can get kicked off the service by broadcasting on New Year's <laughs> Day. All right. Well, we'll uh, 
wrap that up and talk about other things now. Um, and we uh, had this post from Paul Newton, not Paul Newman, Paul Newton, who was voted the winner of the Trading Paints Paint of the Year with his NASCAR racing Ford Mustang. And it's uh, it's a very classic looking, but at the same time, kind of modern paint. Does it hit the nostalgia bone? Is that why it wins? I think so. I mean, 1996 NASCAR racing. Um, yeah, actually, I looked up a couple of things on this. Uh, so NASCAR racing by Papyrus was actually um, distributed in 94. Um, NASCAR racing 2 was in 96, but the NASCAR racing for uh, PlayStation was also in 96. So I'm not sure if this refers to the original 94. It, you would, it wouldn't make sense that it was from the 1994 original edition. It'd be more more in line with the PlayStation 1996 release that was called NASCAR Racing, not NASCAR Racing 2, that, that Papyrus uh, released for PC. Well, if I knew it was for PlayStation, I wouldn't have voted for it. <laughs> yeah, it might. It might be the PlayStation version because that's when the '96 version came out. But I, I, I mean, do think Tommy's right, though. There, there's, there's a little bit of nostalgia in this voting, I believe. <laughs> I mean, do you guys like the paint scheme? Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you that 1990s feel, I guess. I don't know, uh, but you scroll down in the thread, you'll see some of the other competition in the paint. Uh, and I, it's so subjective, you know, and and like you said, it, it this turns out to be a popularity contest more than anything. Yeah, and this is a nice, clean paint job, but in my opinion, it's not the best paint of the year by by any means. If you want the best I, paints of the year, just go to Lefty on uh, Twitter. He has the best paints and the way he renders them. Now, one of the paints uh, in the thread was the Oreos car, and I I really like the look of that one with the different blues yeah. it's kind of a theme here every every one of these stock cars is blue except for the late model isn't the oreo uh junior car junior yeah if it there is go, if it it, there's there's a little nostalgic there as well <laughs> nascar jesus worship that one Next up, we have uh, Steve Myers spreading some holiday cheer. Donnie, why don't you take this one? Yeah, so this was pretty cool to see. This uh, started coming across my phone uh, this weekend, and it was essentially uh, Steve Myers putting out the offer. Uh, Merry Christmas. I hope you all are having a great day with friends and family, but I know some of you are not, so let's make s- uh, some right. I'm sorry. Let's make right some Christmas wrongs. Tell me why you or someone you know could use a Sony or Xbox Outlaws game or an iRacing subscription. So uh, that Twitter thread went on for a couple of days, and uh, throughout that, you can see him giving out codes to people who responded um, uh, with their with their stories. Yeah, I got an example here. Big Orange Mofo tweeted. Been on the service for years, but got lost in work and lost the joy in most of life, then lost the job. Hopefully got something lined up for the new year job-wise, but would love to get iRacing reactivated as my Christmas present for myself this year. Kids and wife were taken care of. That's pretty awesome. I don't know how many he ended up doing throughout the day, but I saw him give out a couple outlaw games to some kids, and and it's just it's just awesome. Uh, pretty cool to do. Um, some iRacers got some uh, subscriptions renewed, and uh, there were 85 replies to the original uh, 
response. Like you said, he did a lot of them. Um, I probably saw at least 15 that said DM me or something like that. Didn't he renew some, or get somebody out of being banned out of the doghouse? Y'all feeling sleepy, Brian? Yeah, this was an interesting little uh, story that Mike came up with. Um, it's from the iRacing community um, thread. Um, we've heard stories similar similar to this, where um, where some people who have who have uh, used their iRacing skills in real life in like avoiding wrecks and things like that. And and I think it is true that um, being a being a sim driver does um, sharpen your skills behind the wheel. Even though even though it's uh, you know in a sim and it's for racing, not not necessarily uh, crash avoidance. But well, this this came from a fellow iRacer, uh, Mark Bolton. He posted in these in this Facebook group about recent an adventure he had while he was sleeping and driving <laughs> so um he's most likely uh, joking but um attributes his real life uh dry driving skills to i racing so um in the story he basically said he's uh coming back from miami and he, him and his friend decide they're going to rent a car and drive to iowa and uh they were on the way, and uh, he said that they they fell asleep. Um, they both woke up in the ditch, and uh, he was able to to correct correct the uh, correct the uh, the crash and save save the crash and uh, keep from keep from wiping out. And he he credits uh, his uh, time in iRacing racing as being a, a uh, as influence of saving that crash there. Um, so I'm not sure if this is totally uh, true, but it's pretty funny. Um, because he had the cruise control, he said he was going seventy-eight miles an hour. So, uh, yeah, that's that's not where I want to be sleeping, taking a nap at seventy-eight on the interstate. But um, that's that's what he said. He also says in here he's he's falling asleep hundreds of times, but this is the closest he ever came to wrecking. So, uh, if you're falling asleep that often, you you might want to hire Uber or something because uh, you, you need to drink some coffee or, or, or do something because that's pretty dangerous. As a truck driver, I see people like this every day. Like I see, I see truck drivers like this walking through truck stops or going to the store to grab a coffee because they're just overworked and you know just not enough time in the day to get stuff done. It just you know I think a lot of us. How many of us just get through the day just barely by the end of it? Uh, on coffee or Red Bull or whatever, anything just to keep going. Um, but it is very, very, very dangerous in my time as a truck driver just to know that you, you can't you can't be pushing it that far. I feel like I you get a story like this every year, but usually it's about somebody like losing control in the snow or something. I think this is the yeah. first one we've gotten with somebody falling asleep. Or uh, I know that I've been able to react more quickly and almost see Rick before it happens and avoid Rick's in real life out on, out on the mental I'm going to read it. Uh, the quote part of it, uh, verbatim here. It says quote at the wheel. I fell asleep with the cruise control on at 78 on I 24 in Tennessee. I woke up at the same time as my buddy and quickly assessed the situation. We were all the way in the median in the ditch and I could see my friend was scared as shit. So I quickly said, we're good and calmly brought it back on the road at speed and way, way loose about 45 degrees. But I was halfway back on. Didn't overcorrect, get it back under control, and just kept on driving. He said, I reminded him that I was a race car driver, and it was all in a day's work. <laughs> then he pulled over and let the other guy drive. 
I don't want this to encourage our fellow iRacers no. uh, that their skills have increased so much by using the sim that they can yeah, no. go and fall asleep. So uh, get your sleep, get your rest. If you feel yourself nodding off, just pull over and sleep. Here's the here's what they teach you. I'm not going to use my truck driving training again, but they do teach you in school the cycles of sleep. If you do f catch yourself nodding off, pulling over and taking a 25-minute nap, no longer than 25 minutes, if you go past usually around 30 minutes is when you you start kicking into the next cycle of your sleep and that makes you even more tired if you just do the 25 minute nap it'll get you through to somewhere safe not to drive for long hours that's 100 percent correct now i actually woke up early earlier this year and decided hey i'll go run a race because i couldn't go back to sleep and i actually did uh fall asleep in iRacing and, and hit the wall in, in, in the LMP. I've done that on console gaming where I was like playing like Grand Theft Auto or um, Grand Turismo or something like that. I've, I remember one time Grand Turismo just sitting in the wall with my foot still pushed down on the throttle and the wheel just going crazy. All right. Well, um, I don't know if this is, we're already getting into events or not, but we're talking now about, the fifth annual podium 500 greg yeah this is this is always a crazy event uh for the year um they always put on a great show uh the, the broadcast for this um always turns out right i guess they're just kind of just letting you know the date it's going to be the 12th of february um which uh it's going to be cool i guess uh what does it say right here? Tomorrow, uh, though. The podium will go live Friday, December 30th to look forward to seeing. That doesn't make sense, does it? Let's sign up. Start oh, the sign up. Okay, sorry, my bad. I was a, so that's so you can start signing up for it. Don't they take the what, like 400 cars usually or something like that? Isn't this the race last year that was decided by the Gaming Council after some controversy? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, it they was. kept uh, changing who won the race. Yeah. I think I'll be watching it just for that reason to see how, how they officiate the race because last year it was a debacle. And I feel like I saw somebody comment that this is going to be on Super Bowl Sunday. It is. Um, it is. I just wonder if they're trying to keep things quiet this year and uh, just be subdued after the controversy of last year. Well, it'll well, be done this race Super Bowl off? Sunday too, though, won't it? It'd be it's done in the afternoon, so it'll be all done. Yeah, that would make sense. I just remember it being such a big deal, and I didn't follow every detail, but it was a uh, funny, I guess, to watch on the outside. Well, the worst part about whenever it goes down to council or uh, sanctioning body or something deciding to win, there's no winners. It you never it the only winner you get is when you actually see it going across the line. Once it comes down to someone ruling it, nobody wins. You know, that's why I say if you run a league or something like that, in those kind of races, you know, you need to have it on the last lap, bar rules. I mean, there are no rules. I mean, whoever gets to the finish finishes. I don't agree with that at all. Yeah, what if you have a yellow line rule and somebody goes under the yellow? Yeah. yeah. Why do we need a yellow line rule? There's always a <laughs> Good point. 
we don't need it in iRacing. I mean, remember the yellow rule, the yellow line rule was really about safety because you didn't want them racing back to the checkered, you know, if there were cars that needed an ambulance rolled, you know. Well, I think it was no. to prevent the cars from shooting back up across further. Yeah, but I don't think that rule nowadays really applies to the race car driver. Like, you know, I think I think they could use on the last lap, they could go below the yellow line and still race properly. I just don't. Well, I don't think NASCAR is going to open up that can of worms. Merging back well, on for the corners is mainly why it's there, because you can't be below the yellow line going into the corner at Daytona or Talladega. It's not going to happen. Well, I think one of the ideas was was to limit wrecks. We're still destroying two thirds of the field on a good day, so just let them go for it. Let's take the controversy out of it. It was a great idea in concept, but it just don't work. Let's just go on. But yeah, hopefully they uh, podium though has a good, clean, uneventful finish to their event this year. I still say Regan Smith won Talladega, so and Denny Hamlin lost earlier, so this year. All right, uh, Brian, do you have your hat of woo on? Yeah, guys. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk World Outlaw Sprint Car Series. Uh, Monday night was uh, round five of the uh, ten weeks, ten season, um, ten race season. So halfway through after the end of this race, Monday night was at uh, I fifty five. I think it was the first race they've had at this track because it's fairly new. Um, I don't remember them having it last year. So uh, uh, taking the win in this race was uh, James Edens. He uh, finished over top of Timothy Smith in second and Dylan Yeager in third. Uh, it was, it was actually a good race. This, this track is, is a short little bull ring. Um, when the track was fresh, they were doing laps in under 10 seconds. So they were really flying around that track. Um, there was a really distinct, really high line up against the wall and a really distinct low line. So you saw a lot of, saw a lot of good, good racing in it. Um, uh, Alex uh, Bergeron, he stays in the points lead, though. He finished seventh for the week. But uh, Smith and, and uh, Tyler Schnell both uh, closed in on the points lead by a few. Um, so going into week six <clears throat> next week, we have um, Alex Bergeron with a 26-point lead over Tyler Schell. So uh, still hanging on there. There's still a lot of racing. We're only halfway through the season, but um, – but uh, we're looking forward to some really good racing for the rest, last half of this this year. Ryan, uh, we saw a video uh, from a, a dirt video. racer we've been talking about a lot. Evan Say, he took a tumble in a real race. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. I saw that. Uh, um, Adam posted that on our on our um, chats. Um, so Evan C was the uh, World Outlaw Late Model Champion last year. He does run this uh, this series. He's he's a middle of the packer for whatever reason in these uh, sprint cars, but um, yeah, he posted a, a it was look like I think he was in a go kart at a dirt track and he 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 uh, crashed. It wasn't a bad crash for what he did, but he was stopped at the top of the wall and on on the front stretch, and a car comes in at full speed and just plows into him, takes him out. Um, we haven't heard anything more about it as, as to whether he was uh, injured or anything like that, but it's going to be interesting to hear hear what the, how he did. Um, uh, speaking of injuries, though, uh, um, Logan Rumsey, who is one of the better drivers in this series, he's uh, from the Pennsylvania area here. He, um, he is in Tulsa for the Tulsa shootout, um, but he actually has a broken broken wrist, I think he said, 
but that was from playing football. Apparently he plays football too. So he broke his wrist playing football and he missed this race this past week uh, for the world of outlaws and not sure if he's going to be able to make the Tulsa race, but he's in Tulsa. So I'm, a good, I'm assuming they're going to give it a shot. So uh, I'll follow along, see how he does at the Chili Bowl track down in Tulsa and, uh, and go from there. Cause he actually won the Chili Bowl two years ago for iRacing, the, the, the special event. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of interesting, interesting stories going on. You, you got to be a special kind of stupid to have a broken wrist and go racing at the Chili Bowl. Yeah, probably right. <laughs> well, it can't be a good idea. I don't think the doctor would recommend that. Since we're talking injuries, we all need to know: Is Barney hurt, Greg? Yeah, I think we're. Uh gonna reach out and try and find out where we need to send flowers to because <laughs> one of iris's legendary flagman barney was struck by a skybound legends car um i've never i watched the video of this 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 is a one in a lifetime shot to be able to get it to land in the flag stand with him and that is awesome <laughs> poor barney though I mean, he was what one of the most televised guy because of uh, Mike Joy. Mike Joy used to love saying his name, Barney the Flagman. On so, um, but yeah, this is crazy look, and uh, good thing it's virtual. Did you guys see the guy in the Tulsa shootout, the Flagman, get run over either yesterday or today? Yeah, I mean, they're, no, I didn't. They're waving the flag standing on the track, so I mean, you got to assume some risks come with that job. But yeah, he got taken out by a little micro. What is this, and, uh, the Lamar oh, wow. back in the 50s? I don't know. He was more worried about yeah. the getting dirty, but it was odd. <laughs> I've seen that guy. He does that every year. You know, he's he's right he's right at the start finish line on the infield side of the track. There's no protection there as those cars are flying around. And he goes and he's pretty uh he's a pretty uh He's very uh, animated when he does his flag yeah. wave. He has K rail to stand behind, but he stands in front of it. So when you try to make the show about yourself as a flagman, maybe some things can happen to you. <laughs> Why does logic always go out of the out the window when the, for the most simplest things? So for our audio listeners, we have a video of the short oval at Atlanta. The Legends cars they hit. Uh, coming up onto the front stretch and one of them does one of those launches where it goes way up in the air and 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 like he said it comes right down on top of the flag stand it literally lands dead on and doesn't fall to the ground it, it's stuck at the top of the flag stand it looks right like they're the shooting stand. a movie like it was a fake uh wreck scene for a movie how it just shoots up in the air i thought it was a three-point shot in the nba all right, I'll pick this next one up because, well, actually, I probably should throw this one to Mike because he likes to run his wheel at maxed out force feedback, and apparently so does Tony Kanaan. Tony Kanaan is my hero. I'm just going to say that out loud. Uh, I, I bow down to this guy all the time. You know, I don't know if he does it anymore, but I know several years ago on Instagram, he would get up like at 4 a.m. and get on a, a, a fake bicycle and, and bike like, 30 miles before I even got out of bed. Uh, the guy's a beast, but he put up a video of him and his motion rig with his high force speed feedback wheel base uh, at Detroit in the Indy car. And uh, you really get a feel for how much force he's dealing with in that wheel. There's two shots. The top shows the wheel, his hands on the wheel itself. 
which is the one I'm fascinated by. But the bottom part shows his body as he's doing it because he does have a motion rig. And the motion is quite good uh, if you look at it because, um, you know, Detroit is a perfect example because it's so bumpy. Yeah, Mike, he's got that semi-cube uh, wheelbase and um, the Gomez Tony Kanan edition wheel, but he's got a decent extension on that, and I'm, I'm just watching it as the video plays to see if I can see any kind of movement within that shaft. But it looks pretty good. Yeah, I don't see flex, but uh, nope. Stiff, everything's moving strong. because of the motion, yeah. The only thing that's flexing is his face every time he's in a corner. Can somebody get him a mouth guard? He's going to bite his tongue off. Luckily, he posted this when he did because, man, he could have gotten some trouble next week. I think I told the team, you know, the IndyCar is the ultimate test of force feedback because it's got probably the the highest uh, Newton meter of any car out there that you could drive. And, well, it has no power and, steering. Right. And, and to, to run it on a bumpy track like this, you know, like a, a, a street course, uh, man, it's like the ultimate test. Now, do you think this is elevated some? Do you think the real car feels like that? Because I, I don't see Joseph Newgarden riding around Detroit looking that intense for, for an hour and a half. But maybe. Who knows? I think it is. Um, who was it? There was another IndyCar driver, um, Sage Karam. Uh, he was real keen on trying to get the force feedback to be to match what the real car was doing. This was a couple of years ago, I think. And uh, he, he basically indicated it does, you know, if you have one of these big direct uh, drive wheels. My, my other question here is too, what, like the, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but anyways, he, he, the way, he, cause that's one of the older Indy cars he's in too, right? Cause it reminds me of whenever I look, when I'm looking like this, it reminds me when I, uh, one of the, my favorite footages from, uh, um, Ayrton Senna when he's in the when he's driving one-handed and it's all it's so bumpy it kind of reminds me of that video uh, driving his McLaren back in the day but the way that the car is hopping around and and he's fighting for grip you know there's no halo so it's definitely the in older IndyCar yeah I think he's in the DW12 hey Ayrton had to use his right hand to grab that stick though to shift his gears and look, I don't race with my like that all the time. I, I try it occasionally, like maybe for qualifying, I'll practice put it where it's it. supposed to be or practice with it. Right. I don't think I, I you know, in, a, in actual race conditions, I'm probably cutting it by 50%. You know, I'm going to be honest with everybody. I'm not running it at 100% all the time. Do I try it at 100%? Heck yeah. Uh, I, I and, and this video really gives you a feel of what it feels like. I ran it. I think I don't remember exactly how high, but that year I won the Indy 500, which I can't say in my profile right now, but uh, we can say it on here. That year I won it, I started with it super high. I was like, you know, for the IndyCar, not only because just for the immersion, but it, it makes it a little bit harder to spin out if you're having to work harder to turn the wheel. Um, and at somewhere, some at one of the cautions, I had to to pop my VR up and, and turn it down. Cause I was actually, my, my forearms are actually starting to cramp. So Brian, you have motion. I mean, have you tried to recreate what Tony's doing here? Well, um, not really. I mean, I use, I don't have this, the feedback cranked up really high for one. So I don't really get that kind of, uh, I don't have to muscle the wheel around quite like he's doing. So, 
I mean, if you take if you take that part out of it, then it's I guess it's pretty similar. But um, but yeah, I, I just don't I just don't run that high at force feedback. I wonder what his lap time was compared to like a competitive lap time. There's got to be a sweet spot where you can get the most realism, but not hurt your performance. So there's no way that was a competitive lap. I don't think it right. would be. Right. If you turned off force feedback and ran a lap at Detroit and, ha- and, and you had no movement in that wheel as you went around the corners, it's got to be faster. I don't know, because then you're going to oversteer really bad if you don't have some resistance. Well, we know with a lot of the aliens on here, lower force feedback creates faster lap times. Is that on like road? Well said. There's a medium. Both. Okay. Maybe low, maybe lower, but zero. I don't. I don't, That means you're having to turn the wheel back when you're when you're exiting corners instead of letting the wheel turn itself back. Yeah, I've always heard them say they lower it, lower it down. Should we right. uh, move on to the highlights? Yeah, you want to take that one, Will? Um, yeah, I can take it. We got a highlight video for the week of twelve twenty eight. So this week here, um, just being honest, I did not watch every clip in it. Um, but just kind of a typical iRacing promotional video. It's uh, kind of what you come to expect. Great quality showing off uh, some great racing and just kind of business as usual for them, which is just good content. Side by side finishes at road courses is really the theme here. I guess uh, all of them are side by side action. Uh, the last one, the number one is uh, the two guys in GT cars at Sebring uh, for a, uh, finale it look it came out pretty good there's some beating and banging in some of these too go uh go look at second or minute 049 and and check out what happens you mean when he turns the wiper on yeah well it's coming hashtag it's, soon it's, it's yep. politer than flashing your lights so <laughs> don't get me started with the lights flashing with the road this week good lord do you guys get bothered by the lights flashing behind you i know we talked about this a few weeks back but it doesn't i don't know it's only bad for when it's inappropriate timing to use it like you're just pissed at somebody and you're doing it behind them it's just stupid i i will only flash when i'm usually when i'm trying to let them know i'm going to pass the next corner like you know i was in a race just a little bit earlier and it one gt i almost ran him over because when i do that i swing a little wide so that i can then then cut under him and have a little bit more momentum exiting the corner but he thought i wanted to dive bomb that corner and so he swung out wide too and it and it 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 messes the timing up so lower the lower class if if you're not beside them before they're in their braking zone you need to pass them over the corner but I, i will usually just let them know i'm coming to, to go underneath them on exit. But some, some people still get confused by that. Now, David, do you want the GT threes to run their normal driving line when you're you're beside them? Yes. Um, I had one, one guy that, um, at Watkins Glen turned seven, which is the first left-hander in the boot. Um, I think I got my numbers right. Uh, he decided to exit low instead of letting the car wash out. And guess what? I was doing the same thing. I swing out wide and then I'm going to try to cut under him and I'm on the gas. And then he's right there where I was going to go. And so it killed my momentum. 
went back in his in the night it was really dangerous in the 911 because it would boost so hard we had the manual boost and we were so fast on exit it's a little bit less dangerous but yeah you you run the line until they get beside you um and i even had an uh i was running the gt at one time and was already in the braking zone at monza completely committed to, to the braking zone and the lmp2 leader decided to dive bomb me after i was already past the bridge in in the the second uh second chicane i can't remember what the italian word is um so i had to make the turn the way i had committed to make the turn he got wrecked he would he didn't make a safe pass because i was already i was already past the braking zone at that point you can't dive but you can turn your wiper on and there was one exception to the road courses in this uh in this uh, top five, it was uh, actually it was the Orca cars on dirt at the USA, which was a interesting combination. And they went four wide at one point, and that was in the in the replay. That was actually pretty cool. And they look like proper dirt cars going around the corners as well. Yeah, the physics were great, for the most sure. part. For the most part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still kind of weird how the Cup car handles on dirt at Bristol. It does. It doesn't feel. It definitely doesn't feel anything like the sprint card. It's not too late. They can change their mind. They could just not put dirt on it. I would not object to that at all. I think sponsorships sold and everything's ready to go with that. Well, you forget I won Bristol Dirt. I'm I'm ready to bring it back. They're also <laughs> doubling up and running a lot of other events with the dirt down as well. Don't the sprint the World of Outlaws co- go there as well? Don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we put a link on here. I I don't recommend playing this video, and I, I thought we were going to pull it off. Um, we will. Okay. But we've got a people still don't know better, and this is uh, Benjamin White posted a Twitter video of another driver in his race ses- session dropping the inappropriate slur that will result in a long suspension, if not worse. So I just think Kyle Larson, and uh, you'll know what we're talking about. That's crazy. I tried uh, watching the video. I couldn't pick it up. I don't know if it was the guy driving in the orange shirt saying it, or if he it was in his background. Somebody else he was racing against said it. Background. No, it was somebody he was racing against said it. You can see the name when it keyed up uh, who it was. And, Car number and I have 15. a couple things. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple things I want to say about this. So, first of all, you should never say words like that because it, you should assume that somebody's video recording it or streaming it to the internet, and then it would be public for everyone to see. But even if it isn't, somebody in the room is going to protest it and you're going to get in trouble. Second, the guy who put up the video on social media is basically calling out the other person by showing a video with the name on it that's also a protest or protestable so you shouldn't put up videos publicly that have this kind of stuff in them either because you could be protested for that so i want to put that out there yeah good calls good catch i would say for as long as i've been on the sim this isn't a common occurrence by no means yeah i've never um I mean, we get people upset with each other, but very, very, very rarely does it go to this level of extreme. Um, so it's uh, it's just, I don't understand how people could just be stupid. I, I, mean, I hate to tell you the reason they do it and why they post it, Mike. It's got 
uh, K views. So <laughs> if you want, even if it's bad, it's still got a lot of views. Oh, on viral, right? Well, and the reason it gets said is because that person's using it in their real life. Otherwise, it won't come out. If you just it's normal it, vocabulary. If you remove it from your vocabulary, it's not going to come out. Okay, so that's that's about the only way you can avoid something like that happened. As pissed off as I've been, th that word's never come anywhere close. Well, you're a teacher, exactly. so you're probably around a diverse group of people. You know your professional life, so it kind of helps. I, I grew up in a city with 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 uh, diverse friends as well. So you know, I mean, that's it's just that word. It, it's just too charged, and I won't let. I won't let any of my students from any background say it when I catch them in the, in the building, because I think it's, I think even, I think at this point it just needs to be erased from, from the lingo. Should, should I race and start cracking down on just language in, in general? I mean, it's in the sporting code. You're not supposed to use curse words. Like, but if you, if you suspended everybody who uses a curse word, there'd be about five people on the uh, service right now. Um, but should they really be, should they be cleaning that up? Yes, absolutely. But David will probably tell you that protests don't work nine times out of 10. <laughs> Except for language. No, this, they, this one they, will work. <laughs> they come after you for language. I just got my mic back like two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Cause if, uh, speaking of that, if David, if you hadn't got it back, I was going to put your story into, uh, Steve Myers and try and get your mic back before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, so is that what they do if you get busted for language you can still race but you can't communicate is that how it works right you yeah. lose your mic for a few weeks huh. David's the okay. expert. Well, that's, the well that's, best, that's a fair punishment the best decision I, I ever made was turning the mic off completely that is a great decision Mike does that in his races he's a, he never has it on that he's always asking what the hell is going on I will say when I race with Lionheart, I have to turn it on for race control and only race control pretty much talks. And if we start talking, they'll say, Hey, shut up respectfully. But, uh, so every now and then I'll hop back into a practice session and forget I have it on. And as soon as I do, it's like, Oh, you got to turn that off. I don't want to hear it. Just I'm here to focus and drive. Yeah. Well, I get pretty entertained the... when the other guys go at each other. I don't know. It kind of gets to me quick. If I hear complaining and crying from, grown adult men, but I was reading the OBRL rules last night and they said the same thing. They want you to have it on for communication and that's it. No talking. You can use TeamSpeak or whatever. Yeah. OBRL, you can use um, Gord for general chat, but the race chat for race related stuff. I forgot to ask you, David, the other day when we were in that race together, um, the one you, the one that you won, did you, those guys that were fighting on the, uh, the tech, did you mute them or fight that were fighting over the uh, talk? Mm, I don't think so. I, I find it kind of entertaining, actually. Texting instead of talking? Yeah. No, they were talking, too. Like, it was back yeah, and they, forth. It was crazy. A couple of guys got in a pretty major argument. So, you got to have a mute button for overall mute, for sure. Don't forget, if so, it, you can right-click somebody's name when they're talking and hit mute real easily and mute individual drivers. You can bind that to a button as well if you hit yep. it right when they're talking. There was a guy who used to race in the street stocks, the C-Class, uh, Jonathan Tuckness. I think I've raced him in trucks as well, but he would be able to type. He wouldn't talk really during the race, but he would type his conversation across the top. It was just fantastic. And this was in race, and uh, I never could understand it, with grammar as well. 
digital race engineer, uh, I had it set up where I could yeah. verbally talk, uh, type out in the top. That's what I was wondering. He might have had voice to text or something. I am a moron. The other th tip I'll leave on this story is I, I leave the chat on, but I change the channel that I transmit on to like team or something like that. Why? So I don't have that oh, instant hate reaction and I grab the button and start saying something out loud. If I do that and I'm on the wrong channel, it makes me think twice. I got to go and change the channel first and then I'll, okay, by then I've cooled down enough. Maybe I won't say a curse word. So that's my strategy. All right. Well, it's time for some events. And the first thing coming up is the major series. Uh, it's a New Year's and they announced some changes that threw, threw me off a little bit this year because I've signed on with with Mad Sim Racing with with listener Cody Richardson. Um, and we got, we've got a team of five that's going to compete in the pro re, uh, re, region. They've cut it down to two regions instead of three to try to fix their numbers, especially in the, uh, I guess, in the Aussie time zone. So I'm going to go ahead and try to run the Saturday night races, which is the Pacific time zone. But that's what they have. They're, they've got two regions now. Um, there's several hundred drivers in each race. All are welcome and encouraged. They got four prod four broadcast splits for each race weekend. So it's the top split for pro and the top split for, for, uh, sportsmen legacy coins are given to given to the podium at every split. I don't know exactly what that is. If that it's actually mailed to people or, or if that's just some kind of NFT kind of thing. Um, and they have custom awards for the championships at the top split. Now what I'll do like about the way they've set up the schedule. Some of the races have been set up with some of their unique formats that they come up with. So the first race in two weeks is Sebring. Um, and it's a predator race. So, what they will do is based on all the practice times that they see and the qualifying times, they will handicap every class. And if you run the slowest class, you start first. Then if you run a faster class, you wait until they tell you you can go. And it may be up to like an hour that you have to catch up with the, with the slower class. You know, David, I've always heard you talk about the series. And I never really understood it. And then we, I saw this post in our, our thing, and I got super excited, not just for the posters that they have for their site. Uh, I was just going to say the same thing, Donnie. Those posters are awesome. Yeah, so I, I even started reading into the the format, the rules. So I signed up last night. I'm going to give it a go for as many as I can. Um, but, man, this this is this would actually get me to a league. And that's what I, took me to OBRL last night as well to start looking up and researching theirs. Um, I don't know. This looks exciting. Well, I'll be, okay. even though I'm teaming up with the, with the Mad Sim guys, you can obviously come on and practice with us at any point. Anytime they have anything up, I'll yeah, keep, yeah. You keep you updated. But the team team is full. We actually have five drivers. Oh no, that that's fine. I'm I'm curious. I, I saw something that said pro status, and what does all that mean? Well, when you first apply, you're going to be basically given either pro or sportsman based on your uh, your. Um, I rating. I rating. You'll probably you'll probably be a sportsman. I think um, I think you have to have a combined four thousand I rating to be pro, or um, and like like my combined is six thousand. So, um, and then after that, they base it on how your season goes. Because Cody is actually technically a quote silver driver, which means he can race sportsman, but he's moving on up to pro with us because his I ratings are actually higher than mine in both oval and road. Um, 
But now that you mention it, they may have a slot on the sportsman side. So I'll, I'll find out if you're interested. We might be able to have you work with, work with that with our kind of allies as well. Yeah, I'll I'm check it out. Join you there, Donnie, on Sportsman. Yeah, the the time slots absolutely suck for me though. But um, I'm gonna plant the seed now and let the family know this is probably what I'll be doing on Saturday nights throughout the year. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I originally wanted to try to run Sunday, but all of the guys on the team, they wanted to run Saturday. And so I was like, all right, I can do it as long as work doesn't interfere for the most part. You know, and if, if I miss a race, oh, well, I miss a race. Sundays are depressing, you know, Sunday night, the sun goes down and you realize you got work the next day. So Saturday night's a little more exciting. C Majors is going to have the Speedway 500 in May and then the uh, 24 hours uh, Majors Majors 24 is what they call it for the uh, race in France. They really do not care what the rules are. I love it. Well, that's they probably just haven't worried about that yet. They're going to wait and see what the agreement is because that Speedway 500 might be at Michigan. You know. Yeah. Well, no, it's it was the Indy. It was supposed to be. But that was this whole poster and everything was made way before was announced over a month ago. So they may have to change it or just not broadcast it. One of the two. Yeah. Well, they follow up with that with the Grand Prix of Long Beach, which that's going to fall under the same restrictions as the Speedway 500. So is it in um, car though, or is it one in one of the Lotuses? Yeah, I think it's the Lotus that they did it in last year, didn't they? Oh, okay. uh, they changed Problem the car solved. every year. Um, the last time I ran at Long Beach there, it was in the 79. What's so it'll be interesting. I'm excited to get back into it because I, I, I got a team to work with again. Um, when the, the team that I was running with last two years ago, they kind of they kind of fizzled out. Richie kind of got tired of the league and stopped kind of helping us. And I, I was kind of kind of by myself, and that just kind of killed the fun of it. And now I was going to ask you, it's about $15 to race it. Um, and through the, do you, are you guaranteed a race, but it just depends on what split you get put in? Yeah, you're, you're in the race. It's just, uh, whether it's, whether or not you get into the broadcast split is based on your pre-qualify. Everybody races. It's just, um, only the top split, only the top pro split and the top sportsmen have broadcast. And also if you're not going to get as many points, if you're in the second split. Right. That makes sense. All right, this next one just says story title, and then I've got an, an image that's not showing up. Does anybody know what that's supposed to be? They do. Uh, sorry, it's not showing. It's called the uh, – I had to grab this from a closed Facebook page, so maybe that's why. But somebody put up an event called the 24 Beers of Daytona. It'll be February 4th and 5th, Daytona Road Course, uh, GTE and LMP2s, uh, free entry. Uh, beers can be 12 ounce, 24 ounce, or 40 ounce, originally sealed, uh, for teams of one or two drivers, total alcohol consumed must equal, uh, 288 flowing ounces to podium or place in the final stage for teams of three to four drivers, 12 beers or 144 flowing ounces are added per driver. Essentially, each team must consume a total of 144 flowing ounces per driver or be DQ'd from the final result. So you basically, you run a 24-hour race, but you've got to consume this beer at the same time. How do you enforce that? 
<laughs> and now they're going to have bathroom breaks because, geez, once the seal is broken, man, you're in trouble. It says here all beers must be documented on the 24 beers of Daytona Discord server in the hashtag beer confirmation text channel with photos, team names, and driver names. Well, if it's just photos, just have your buddy drink it, and then you take a picture with the empty jug. <laughs> okay, so the group putting this on is Thunderclap iRacing. Go check them out on Facebook and get your beers ready. Are the they 24 broadcasting beers this? of Daytona. Do you know if they're broadcasting this? This would be a hilarious watch. Uh, don't know yet. Don't see anything about a broadcast. So, so that thing we'll get a story about somebody who uh who was able to drive drunk really well because they practiced it on i racing and uh and uh they were able to correct they were able to correct their uh accident before it happened full disclaimer we do not advise this we do not advise this do not try this at home well try it at home stay off the damn road okay so 24 beers over 24 hours that's not too bad that's a beer an hour i mean when i was a young man, that wasn't a problem. I'm a super lightweight, so half a Michelob Ultra is going to put me on the floor. Like I posted in the uh, our page, um, they're going to have to follow this up the following week with the uh, AA500. Do the, all the cars just have to pull up, up to the start-finish line and form a circle and just have a group chat? It'll be the 12 steps of Daytona. What's, what's the first step again? I, I can't remember. Were you too blacked out? All right. Speaking of Daytona, more events, David. Yeah, we have the war coming up. Um, Logos will be available prior to the event, I guess. It's coming back for 2023. It's the solo endurance event that kicks it off. It's 2.4 hours. It's going to be GT4s, touring cars, and the new Toyota GR86. It's going to be the standard time slots, 22, 07, 12, and 16, all GMT. Got to have at least a D road license, 4.0. And the sim start time is 1 p.m., so it'll all it'll the whole race will be during the day. 144 minutes, dynamic weather, dynamic qualifying attached. Um, 20 incidents is the drive-through, and then every 10 incidents afterwards. There is no DQ limit. Very good. Y'all be running Saturday morning at 4 a.m. Pacific Coast time because that's that's how lucky I am. But I got to change up my paint. I think I'm going to throw a team paint on there. I I do not I know that I do not want to run the Audi because I just can't stand how front wheel drives drive. So I mean it's either going to be the GR86 or I'm actually going to buy one of the GT4s. Yeah, I run the the BMW for the GT4 class. My son's been running that Toyota and he likes it. And I watch him race it every once in a while and then uh, Mike you you've won some races in it already, but a super fun car to drive. David for your driving style do the 86. Toyota is fun and I had some uh, family members try my racing rig over Christmas break, and that's the car I put them in at the Nordschleife. As I decided, the Toyota is probably the most closest car to like a real car, like somebody normal might drive. Do you get anxiety? Why did you put him on that track? I don't know. Rolling hills. Do you get anxiety when you put a stranger on your rig, like that has no experience with simulators or i racing or anything? I just they want to pull on the wheel to get out. You just want to slap them. I just, I can't do it. I, I get too neurotic when I have a stranger sit on my rig. 
I just uh, get if you have the right kind of rig, it's okay. I get entertained when they get motion sickness and have to quit after five minutes. So, quick side story. Before I got the current rig on my old rig, the Obutto, where you could blow over my triples. I mean, you just touch them and they move. They were horrible. And I had my uh, stepfather's new wife sit in my rig to try it. And, like, she's like a big older lady. And when she went to get out, she's like grabbing everything she can grab. And she's like grabbing the monitor. And she actually broke, uh, I forgot what she broke, the left monitor or something, uh, as she was trying to get out of my cockpit. So, yeah, you have to be careful if you don't have something solid. Well, the other special event, obviously, is the Big Daytona 24. Will, why don't you shake off some rust and tell us about this one? Yeah, so uh, pretty much pretty standard deal here right just the 24 hour at daytona um you caught me off guard there i was zoned out <laughs> uh one thing that sticks out to me is it is sponsored by vco so actually when i first saw the logo i thought it might be something they were doing um but no i mean pretty much same thing every year um fingers crossed the servers hold up um as far as cars we have the new gtp we have the lmp2 and gtd which essentially is just GT3. So we're back to three car, three classes. I think it was two last year. I think it was three the year before. Um, as far as the GT3s, we're looking at the Audi, BMW, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Mercedes, and the Porsche 911. Um, I don't know if anything was left off that list that you guys were surprised about. Um, I think a lot of people are really liking the McLaren. So I was a little surprised that was off the list, but that might just make their life easier with a BOP. Well, there's only so many cl cars they can have on the track without killing older PCs. Yeah, I just, I feel like there was a lot of criticism about the Lamborghini essentially being the same car as the Audi underneath with more visual changes. So to get both of them, um, I feel like the McLaren might have been a good fit in there, but it's cool having three classes again. It just curious how those bottom splits will play out with how many people sign up for which class. I'm, I'm interested to see if like the, probably the most fun race you'll get out of it is if you can have actually the most interesting race, I should say will be when you get if you can get a race that gets all three classes and has a decent amount of the three classes, but it's going to be so hard uh, to get one of those classes. That's going to get them all in it. Well, I think, sorry, I'll let you go. I have been seeing a pretty good mix in uh, IMSA, though I've climbed really high on the I rating now and I'm getting in the top split, so I'm always seeing all three cars. There was a few times early on that first week at, um, I don't remember which track it was, it was one I had to buy, uh, but there was a few splits occasionally when the I rating was still lower that were just LMP one and GT three, which wasn't terrible, but it's been a, it is a nice mix when you have all three cars out there. I think the greatest thing they did though, is they readjusted the LMP two to be not as deadly over curbs. They made some changes to it, which hopefully will uh, bring people to that car that just don't want to deal with the hybrid system and everything that goes in with the GTP. Yeah, they slowed it down too because it was it was sped up to almost replace the DPI, and so they, then they slowed it down to actually be an LMP two now. 
But uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is now without the Indy 500, the biggest special event of the year. It already is. Sure, I'm I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So well, I've been running some laps. Uh, Tofosi Team GT's been running the Ferrari, getting some practice, and we have three members. We're looking for another one. But there's a uh, somebody mentioned about which cars can be better. I don't. Um, I did watch a video. It's not in the script. I'll put it in the script for next week. But by a YouTuber, Marcus Soholm, he went over the all the GT cars for each track for the 2024 season one, and uh, sorry, 2023. And it's pretty interesting what they found out for which car is going to be better at which track. I don't know the metrics they use. Maybe just some just a bunch of laps run. But it's a pretty interesting video to check out, and I'll get it in in next week's show notes. You're not gonna in your lower splits. You're not gonna see that kind of a difference anyway, because because it's gonna come down to the driver more than the car. When you start seeing, I, I don't even think I'm good enough to notice that difference. Um, it's because I'll hear him talk about it, and I I just will. I still will do better in a Ferrari than another car when somebody says it's overpowered. Plus, something we didn't mention when we covered both of those events is they are gonna do a balance of power for for that track specific on the special events uh but if you're down in your thousands and i rating i i don't think you're going to see that big of a difference between the cars and you're going to be better off finding which one is the most comfortable to drive and for me the in the gte class i can just i just i'm at home in that 488 and they sorry my question I was going to say the roar is the second week of January and the 24th, the third week, uh, weekend of January. And they, they did put in the post that any BOP will be announced one week prior to the event. Um, I kind of feel like I wish they gave people more of a heads up than that. But with one week, I think most people will be committed to their car. And I think that'll make BOP probably more efficient. As of the Monday night, the practice rooms will go up for it, so you can practice with that balance of power. Just keeping, let's leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for the listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Don't forget to check out our Discord to get involved and our website at iracerslounge.com. We are in regular rotation over at the Performance Motorsports Network and the Sim Racing Channel on Roku TV. iRock TV. iRock TV, sorry. I always forget that. They, they sold out. I got to give you the new logo. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, we're going to open up hardware software presented by Metro Ford with the D-Box motion without the D-Box. And uh, Brian, you're our motion man. Yeah, so um, this is a, a rig. It's uh, made with D-Box, but it's uh, in conjunction with R-Seat. And it has all the functioning of a, a, a D-Box style motion platform system. It's just 
everything is really well hidden and uh, you don't see the big actuators and things like that. Um, so um, it's a little more sleek design, but still gives you the full motion of a, of a full motion rig. Um, it has a uh, more of a formula style seating uh, arrangement where your feet are up, up at uh, waist level. Um, yeah. But so, um, yeah, it's pretty cool looking. It's a, uh, to to get a, a full motion box uh, D box system that looks sleek like this it was probably not that easy to design. So they did a really good job of hiding everything and make it look really nice. Now to be clear, Brian, it, the rig isn't really part of it. I mean, the D, the the product is just that base that the rig is sitting on, and it's just like a flat box. It's about six inches tall, maybe eight inches tall, and all the movement. Uh, the actuators are underneath it and they do lift it at some point in the video so you can see underneath the actuators are actually laying sideways and they have clever levers levers and levering and different things that make it, make it work even though the, the the thing is sideways so it's a really neat design uh dbox is offering it for eight grand it is for sale uh well it's right below eight grand it's like seventy eight hundred dollars but you can basically put any rig on this. Uh, in fact, uh, they're cross-selling this to their home theater people, and you could go get a couch and put on it, for example. It, uh, you basically would call it a D-Box platform. All right. So, yeah. Mike, you know how you said it was $700. Since it's close to ten grand, we are just going to say it's seven digits, so it makes it sound like it's not that expensive. Or, sorry, four digits. Math is hard in Canada, huh? Or you just get mixed up with all those conversions. Just you conversions. Have add, you have to add so many extra digits for your dollars. Yeah. See that in the tax. It's everything so frozen up here. All right. Next up, Greg, why don't you take this F1 cockpit that was presented at the expo? Okay. So obviously this is from Gamer Muscle again. He seems to be all over every one of these cockpits at the expo. Um, when I first looked at this, it's obviously kind of just – looks like a wide front end of like an F1 car or like a, I don't know, a Sea-Doo front end or a boat. Um, but it's kind of just got a body work around it. Uh, it sits on a platform. Um, it's a Formula One style rig. Um, pretty basic. It kind of reminds me of the, the easiness of the, um, I don't know, it's Fanatex. They're calling it their, for their F1 simulator, but it, you know, it's pretty basic uh, stance from when I looked at it here. I don't know, Mike, yeah. did you did you notice anything more different about it? I call it a snowmobile. It's got a, the look of a snowmobile. I mean, the important part underneath looks kind of similar to like an old Oboto rig as far as it's just thin tubes bolted together. I think the rest of what we're looking at is just bolt-on plastic on the outside to give it a better visual. Um, right. I, I mean, I had an Oboto rig the step below mics and uh that's just small tubing it looks like it was engineered a little better as far as it does look more sturdy than what i once had but realistically i think you're paying for a bolt-on plastic to make it look pretty um that's just my opinion on it i think i think the other thing too is fanatec is known for using the tubular design that's that seems to be what they always go back to their original um, cockpit 
was too base, but it was basically wide open. And this seems to be just they're putting a bodywork on it to kind of make it not look just like two, just only tubes. At some point in the video, he does show the older cockpits because they had uh, both the old and the new at the expo. Um, and so he did compare them briefly, but I, I think there's a reason the Fanatech cockpits have never been popular. And, and I think we'll just describe why. Yeah, I can see some kid playing Codemasters F1 bugging his parents maybe to get this, but um, I don't see it being too practical for the everyday sim racer. Could be. I feel like they start setting this up as like a, like you're saying they're Donnie, like as a, a package. So they ship it with their, you know, their direct drive PlayStation set type thing to get someone at their, to have it at their house. But I would feel that that would be pretty expensive. I just don't know. I don't know many people that bought the Fanatec rigs. They weren't known for their rig, the rigging systems. Um, I know a lot of review people that did reviews on them that they were given them, but they were never, I didn't see a lot of people purchase them. And this one's not for sale that we can find. Uh, we did find a forum post um, on Fanatec's forums, uh, somebody asking, are these available? And uh, nobody knows. I mean, in my opinion, I think the old rig looks sturdier than this one. Um, this one has a narrower, narrower footprint and is more aesthetically pleasing if you step back and look at it. Uh, I think a Sea-Doo or a Jet Ski is a good description for a mic. Um, but I can see this being popular with somebody who just wants to buy their kid a nice setup, isn't interested in or isn't worried about saving money at all, just buy the whole kit, set it up, use it five or six times. I can see these being real popular in the uh, Facebook marketplace at some point. I have a feeling that these are just going to be overpriced and out of out of the wrong market for what you like what we think you should be using it for. I think it, I think I just feel like they're just going to overprice them too much. I think you're I think the majority of where you're going to see these is because Fanatec sponsors that you can, I can see the way that it's designed there. I have a feeling you're going to see these at more like those F1 events where they you know how where they track side where you can race simulators or when they do their their live stuff with the Codemaster game or in any like arcade for sim racing. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're the target target audience at all. Um, I think it, it is more commercial use. Well, let's switch it up, Donnie, and talk about the sim switch. Got another gamer muscle video. I'm sorry, I was looking at the rig ab above it. Um. The sim switch. So this this rig is unusual. Um, it kind of gets your feet in the right. Uh, I guess if you're driving an F1 car, you get to lay back and get your feet up, um, and it lifts you up automatically. Uh, you sit down, and then your legs come up. Um, I'm just not sure I want to stare at my feet while I'm driving. This is just for people who want that immersion of being in an F1 style seat. Well, I think the thing about the sim switch is, as the title of it says it switches from gt to formula seating mechanically uh, you, you like push a button and everything moves and and there's a lot of moving pieces to this thing yeah because you, you can skip a little further in the video and see him sitting in in a bit more of a gt position and that's about where your feet go and he can't see his feet anyway because he's got vr on this reminds me of that Riggs one that we had a couple years ago that would was gt 
F1 and straight up or whatever. And it was, it was a whole bunch was of you had to do a couple things for it. Wasn't it V rig? V rig. That's what it was. Sorry. Yeah. You were interested in that too, Greg. I would, if that would have been a North American product, I probably would add it, but it being Europe and the shipping tax on high quality metal <laughs> would have been ridiculous. You know, I've only been in this part of the hobby for about two and a half years now. And I've, I've said in the past that this is a journey, but getting a rig like this, I feel like, I mean, it'd be super cool to be able to transition from one car to the next, but I feel like there's a lot that can go wrong potentially that that would frustrate you. And, uh, I don't know. It would just, I, I see what I've done here with this rig and I mean, there are some things I can go wrong, but I could probably bypass them for time being, but something that, I don't know, just like one day you come home from work, you want to get in your rig and then it just doesn't lift you up to the proper height that you want to be at. And then you get upset and maybe you'll come back to it in a couple of weeks. This is not right either. Uh, the one that moves all around, they call it the ass kicking ultimate 60,000 euros. I would just buy two rigs at that point. Just that would be two? so cool. Just two? Three. You want three. At that point, uh, just get, get the semi-cube pedals. <laughs> you get a set for each rig, yeah. probably. Now, we missed a story, David. I want to go hit this one. It's our last one, but it's a 689rigs.com. And I we, contacted these folks. Oh, okay. We covered it last week. Are you sure? I don't know if we yes. did, but um, we talked about the this colors. one was from Mexico, and I contacted them. Do they ship to the U.S.? Um, I haven't heard back. You know, I I don't remember where I was for this one, but um, so I just bought it some extrusion for my uh, computer mount that I mounted to the back of this rig, and I noticed for this setup here, he has those flat 90s for his corner brackets, and I was very apprehensive on buying those, so I bought some beefy uh, corner brackets. And then I did buy some of those to try them out. And I was surprised on how strong uh, those flat nineties can be, but, um, yeah, it's a little unusual. It looks like you could just buy what he's got here and put it together. It doesn't look like there's a whole lot of thought to it. Oh, I was going to say for our audio listeners, we got a high quality 80, 20 rig here. It's got, you know, all the stuff you would expect. Um, it's pretty nice, and and I think the signature thing about this company is they have powder coating uh, colors. Uh, they offer this uh, red and black, and there's a yellow and uh, blue, and you know obviously they can do different colors, and I, I I like the colors. They're so cool looking, but it's Mexico only. So if you're a listener in Mexico, this is probably the place to to be. Six eight nine rigs dot com. If these guys contact me about they're going to open up availability to uh, the United States. Uh, we'll certainly let everybody know. All right. This next one is a motion rig, Brian, but boy, uh, this is a very unique design. Yeah, it's almost hard to describe. It's the Cubic Systems USV20 four, de four degree of uh, freedom simulator cockpit. Um, I can tell you right now that it's uh, running at eighteen nine ninety nine, so just shy of nineteen thousand dollars. It's not entry level by any means, um, but um, yeah. So it's it's got actuators in it, but it's not designed like an eighty twenty is. This is um, a pre pre made. Um, 
pre-made system uh, with uh, almost a rector type style of uh, structure to it. Um, but it does have four degrees of freedom. The actuators lift the seat in the back um, and lifts you in the front. It's a, it's a more of an F1 style um, cockpit for uh, for when you set it in. Yeah, I, I saw in a, a video of this where you can move the seat forward and backwards, but I don't really see too much other um, adjustability. Um, almost looks like you would almost have to do this in VR or your monitor is going to be a little far away from you because there's no, no, no easy monitor mount position on this um, unless you built something custom, but I still don't think you'll be able to get the monitor real close to the, to your wheel. Though so it might be a better VR option than a, than a monitor system. You might if have you to bridge over it. Sorry. I was going to say, hey, if you Ryan. click on the second link, that brings you to their 6DOF, which does have integrated monitors and triples, and it's $28,000. Um, and the best way I could describe it is it looks like the octagon from Halo lifted up on a platform. Um, <laughs> it's like there's a, steps to get into the rig. Um, you definitely need like at least nine, maybe 10 foot ceilings to make this thing work. Wow. Oh. That that thing is a beast. Twenty eight thousand, and I think the steps up into it say everything. I mean, this thing has got hydraulic arms all over the place. It's got seat belt tensioner, uh, integrated triples, and Donnie, to your point on the last uh, story, what could go wrong here? There's so many moving pieces and different arms and actuators and different things. It's like, oh my. Yeah, and you're only you're getting for twenty eight grand. You're only getting the motion platform, the cubic manager software, the USB power cable. That's good to know. Uh, nuts and bolts, <laughs> and a product manual. So you're going to provide everything else. Right. You have to buy everything else. <laughs> you do get nuts and bolts, though. They listed that on there. That's great. They had to add a line to it to make it look uh, like they're giving you something. <laughs> It's about that time to jump into the results. We'll kick it off with uh, the NIS series for the 87 cars. Mike? Didn't do it, actually. Uh, they went to Watkins Glen, and I've decided to skip. I did some testing at Watkins Glen in the 87, and I can't stop that freaking car. My life depended on it. So, yeah, I didn't run. Yeah, I tried running it last night. Practice as well, and same here. Has there always been that hump going into the classic uh, carousel if you don't take the boot? Has there always been that bump? There's something there that'll upset the car for sure. Yeah, you do not want to hit the brake going over that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm skipping. You know what? This is my third week in a row, and I only have one more drop week to go. So I need to finish out the season to qualify for a full championship for my own self. All right, let me run over some of my official racing. I ran Indy Pro 2000 at Road Atlanta, qualified fourth out of 14. Wrecked out turn one. Man, I suck. I didn't feel good at all. Uh, next race, qualified seventh out of 18. Lap one, turn two, I spun off on my own. Ooh, fell back to 17th, but was able to recover up to 10th. Then I switched to the slower F2000 at Road Atlanta. Car number six out of 14, qualified P6, got P2, 
actually led some laps and thought I might win, but uh, I wasn't good enough. Next, uh, we switched tracks for the week. Uh, so it was F2000 at Olton Park. Uh, went off uh, and had an unfortunate rejoin and collected three other cars. I felt really bad about that one. Uh, had to say sorry. Uh, next race qualified sixth out of 15. The leader spins it in lap one, turn one. Second place slows down dramatically for no reason. He had room to get by. And I drove over the top of second place. Um, then I had a black flag. I had to uh, serve for the meatball and drove up to seventh. Next, I ran the Pro 2000 faster car at Alton Park. Uh, Alton Park qualified ninth out of 18, uh, finished eighth. Next race, ninth out of 15. On lap uh, two, uh, two cars in front of me collide, turn sideways on the track. I T-bone him. My car is destroyed. Then I decided to get Barber at Bathurst, uh, a qualified P3 out of 18, got clear of the pack and was running P2. We had a huge gap on everyone else. I ended up spinning and damaging my front wing, which slowed me down several seconds a lap. However, with the gap, I was still able to finish P4. David Imza. All right, have had a, had a lot of time with being on Christmas break to uh, to run, and Imza was at the Glen this week, real familiar track, and kicked it off with a P three, then a P three, then a P four, and then I I had a P wrecked out. There was some chaos between uh, Kesh and uh, GT GT cars, and I think an LMP two at the same time, and they were all wrecking, and um, I just got caught up in it. Uh, then the next one, I self-spun fighting for the win. I don't know what I ended up finishing. Then this last one, P, P1, first win in the BMW uh, DTP car. And this was interesting. The leader actually ran out of gas. Uh, in fact, I took the white flag in third. I don't know what happened to second place. And I hear crew chief say the leader is pitting and he never made it back to the line. Uh, because when I crossed the line, it, it I saw the relative flip from P3 to P1. Oh, no. So, you know, that's, um, I guess they just didn't take enough gas. I don't know if the other, they both didn't take enough or not. Um, then uh, after that, I've, it's now got me running some pretty high splits. I got a P9. And on that one, my VR crashed because I forgot to close my civilization game that I was playing before I ran the race and it confused the crap out of the VR and it, it just timed out and shut down. I noticed it was running an extra laggy too. So I sit there and had it like, like a DirectX 12 Civ game going with max graphics. At the same time, I was running iRacing in VR. Now you talked me into uh, getting in this car for some official race racing to prepare for the 24. And for the longest time, I could not load into a multi-car event. Um, practice, race, whatever, hosted, official, didn't matter. Uh, it was like crashing before it would load. I, it, I did a, I probably restarted my computer 12 times trying different combinations of software, but I eventually troubleshooted and figured out that Joel real timing was not updated and that was causing it to crash. So I updated it, it fixed it. So I went racing, uh, first event P9. I locked the brakes in turn one, lap one, five minutes damage, but I finished the race anyway. 
Second one, I had a pretty good beginning of the race, but clipped the grass just a hair and slowed down because of it and then got ran over from behind. 15 minutes damage, DNF. Yeah, if you Euro check out right in the middle of the if you check out the right in the middle of the racing line, it can catch a guy off guard. Alright, then Euro Sprint at Spa. I I just had a party at Spa. P3, P2, P5, P1, P1. That one I stole on the last lap, he got wrecked out, and P7. Um, and so that was actually three total wins at Spa because I won last week there as well. And then Monza this week, as it switched over, P7, P5, and P6. I'm, um, I don't know if that's that I'm getting in the tougher splits now or or I'm just not as good at Monza and the Ferrari, but I've gone in the last two weeks since they've changed everything on on these cars, I've gone from about a 1700 I rating to almost 2300 I rating. So um, the format and the way the tires handle now is really paying off for me. Tony Spiker, USF 2000. I did not did not run at all this week. Let's talk hosted. I ran a few things. Daytona prototypes, Riley at Texas wrecked out. Then the 87s at Talladega wrecked out. Then the old radical at the new Virginia. And and I gotta say that the Virginia International Raceway, I'm, I'm really growing to like it with the, especially the long version through the S's, you can just flat out through those with that radical. It was so much fun. Anyway, P10. And then finally the old IndyCar at Michigan, P5. Let's go to winter league race, Steve Thompson, P8. And then David wrecked out. Yeah, I just keep getting caught up in crap. This time we had a driver with a damaged car who told everybody he was going to let him buy low. But then when I get to him, he's stuck up on the wall, letting a bunch of guys, he's letting a bunch of other cars go, go by low. I think he said he was going to try to stay low, but he was stuck up on the wall, like actually pinned up against it. And I catch him and turn low to go buy him because he's still on the wall. And right after I turn low, he turns low and cuts down like five lanes. And I, I don't hit him, but I react just enough on a, on hot, slippery old tires and kill the car. Turn, I overcorrect and turn it into the wall. So that's, uh, what, five or six weeks in a row now I'm caught up in crap. Right, and then I ended up uh, pitting under green. And sure enough, the caution came out while I was sitting on pit road. This is literally two weeks in a row in this league where that has exactly happened to me, where we pit under green for the final run and, and, I, and it, the, the, that yellow comes. So I had to take a wave around and uh, ended up P16. All right, Brian, OBRL Cup. Yeah, this was a uh, Sunday night on Christmas night that we actually got a, a race in. It was uh, Talladega. Um, uh, the, the car count was a little little lower than typically because of that. Uh, we still had 26 people, I think it was, came out, so not too bad for a Christmas night. I didn't qualify, but I kind of should have because I started too far in the back. Um, and when the race started, the, the back half lost the lead pack. So um, once once we lost, lost that uh, lead pack, it was impossible to catch back up. And uh, it stayed green right up until the very end of the race. So... Um, there was a greenway checker to finish i was in i think i was in p12 on the on the restart last car on the lead lap um and uh and i was able to make up some spots on those two two greenway checker laps and wound up making up up to uh, six positions so pretty good finish all things considered um 
but um, yeah, finished without any incident points at Talladega is always a always a good thing too. Hey, and now final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Um, that's just wishing everybody a happy holidays. I'm getting to uh, have some time off this week, so I've got some time in the rig. I really haven't done a whole lot of official races or anything yet, but uh, yeah, just uh, hoping everybody has a good holiday. Okay, very good, David Hall. Final thoughts. Same thing. Happy holidays. Hope everybody's doing okay. Um, having fun doing the sports car races, and I'm ready for the Daytona race, though the way the schedule always lines up, I won't get in the car for like 12 hours because uh, work will be in the way. So we'll see if I even get a chance to get in the car when the, when the time comes. Hey, very good. Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, not much. I didn't run last week. I... I was starting to have graphic card issues, so I ended up getting a switching from Ryzen or AMD to NVIDIA. I got a 3060 Ti, um, so I'm going to work on up do, uh, getting the CPU upgraded, and then I think I need to do another motherboard. But on that, I appreciate teammate uh, Bobby Jonas. I, I text or I message him on the side when it comes to my computer-related questions. I have a buddy in real life who I do that with, but sometimes I feel like I only contact him uh, when I need computer um, answer. So I do appreciate Bobby for that. He was uh, kind of guide me in some good direction. So. Yeah. Bobby's great with that. He helped me a lot when I put together my rig and computer and everything, uh, validating my parts list and stuff. So it's always good to have that second set of eyes. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, just, uh, I enjoyed uh, the last day or so here, uh, putting together, uh, a tweet and a, a TikTok and a, a video that we've posted on our social medias from last week's show. Um, I'm hoping we can do a little bit more of that kind of stuff from the show. Uh, just having fun like we did last week. Um, uh, I did set the over-under for our, the, I, I think I remember at the end of the show last week, I set the over-under at uh, um, 75 for the time amount of times we said IndyCar ended up being 84 so <laughs> pretty close uh but uh just uh, looking forward to i got the rest of this week off and i got next week off still um gonna get behind the rig a bit more and uh get some more races in and uh just uh just enjoy the time off all right very good and will gibson thanks for coming back on the show and you're going to try to work your schedule to come on more often going into the new year. Uh, your final thoughts. No, I appreciate you guys having me back and I enjoy doing this. Um, I just, I'm ready for this year to be over and hopefully have a good one next year. Um, yeah, no, I just, I, I don't have a whole lot to think about. <laughs> no, not much here. Okay. Very good. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, while why do i race you know it's off season nascar off season you know nis is my focus but uh yeah i'm, I'm having fun with my my new uh, cube controls wheel my new semi cube uh, wheelbase to go with it and uh these open wheel cars um enjoying you know running those and and i'm getting better i'm just the repetition of the races uh, is working out real well and, and speeds are picking up slowly even though I'm still off quite a bit from the fast guys but uh, confidence is growing so uh, my vacation is pretty much over I'm back to work on Saturday um, and so that's kind of a bummer but it's been a nice three or four weeks where I've had 
a lot of time to do some racing and um, so I've enjoyed it. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.